indeed. You're a father of love and blessing and honor and caring beyond our comprehension. And we pray you'd open our hearts and our minds to receive more of that amazing fatherly love that you offer us. Would you rewrite paradigms that perhaps are full of pain and perhaps even wrong? And give us a sense that you are so very good and you long to give us good gifts. So accept our thanks, accept our praise. We offer these things in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you, thanks for praising. Can I invite you to open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19, and we're going to continue on the Sermon on the Mount. Just want to give a shout out to Jesus this morning. Uh, it's amazing to me, as I get older, it, it, I like to throw like three or four hand grenades this morning, just for fun. Here's the first one. Jesus is the most brilliant man who ever lived. Absolutely, intellectually Brilliant. It is amazing to me, the older I get, the more I study the scriptures and now hear the Sermon on the Mount, the brilliance of Jesus is amazing. And so as we, as we work through this, the reason I, the reason I kept bringing it up, if you read commentaries on the Sermon on the Mount, so very often it is a whole bunch of random sayings taken from Jesus' life and put together in some chronology that may or may not have coherence to it. This is an absolutely brilliant sermon. And I had a friend of mine who is a recovering alcoholic sent me a, a video clip. Uh, part of his wholeness as a man in Christ and part of his sobriety is learning to memorize scripture. This is not an educated man, a highly educated academically, but a man whose heart is big and strong for Jesus. And he gave me a picture, sent me a video clip of him sitting in the front of a church. And this man, whose name is Paul, recited word for word the Sermon on the Mount. And it was breathtaking. To have him just sit in a chair in the front and just begin. And then my mind began to, can you imagine if Jesus was walking among us and just looking at us and saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. If Jesus walked up to you and looked you right in the eye and said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, you're the light of, can you just imagine what your heart would do, your mind, if Jesus actually said those things to you, to us? What was the first song we sang? Because he lives. He is saying those things to us. So what I'd like to poke at today with you, invite you in is, is, to, is to say, Lord, what is it you want to give me today about treasure? Now, I, I, please come back next week because this week is absolutely connected to next. Reminding you the brilliance of Jesus. In chapter six, in Matthew six, what Jesus is addressing all the chapter is telling his disciples, don't lean on false securities. Like what? Religious practices. So he says, when you pray, pray not like this so everyone can see you. And when you fast, don't pray like, oh, oh I'm just dying. I'm, I'm suffering for the Lord. And when you give money, don't make a big show of it. What is he poking at? They believed if people could see how religious you were, how devout you were, how, how, how devoted, oh, you were a good person, and that made you secure. And Jesus is 
gently saying it, no, it won't make you secure. Being more religious in practice without the right heart does not bring a sense of peace. Well, then he continues. Today's passage, chapter 6, 19 through 24, he's talking about money. What's the false security of money? Well, I've got to have enough to live on. I've got to have enough to, 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 to focus on Amazon. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to buy, I get this. And then, and, then, and then when you get old like me, I've got to have enough to retire. Oh, no. And, and, and worry just drives us. And Jesus is saying, oh, 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 oh. Don't put your trust in possessions. Because there's a false sense of security. And next week, he'll continue and say, if you do a life of religious practices to show people how devout you are, and it's going to make me, he's going, oh, and then if, 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 if you focus on money, Jesus says in the end of the chapter, I'm quoting him, you'll be filled with worry and fear. And look at the American church. And so in this passage, what he says is, now, you got to get your focus right. So let me just read a couple sentences that I wrote yesterday. Listen to this. So here's, here's a second hand grenade. It is argued that the most important thing about you is your mind. Not your brain. It is your mind. And the Hebrew understands the heart and the mind to be hooked up together. We humans are more than anything else. We are a mind. Heart, mind. Animals can't think like we can. None of creation can do what we can do. That's what makes us unique and special. This is how God created us. This is what makes us uniquely special. The body is important, absolutely, but the mind is all important. Now listen to this next sentence. The most important thing about your mind, my mind, is what we focus on. What did Jesus gonna, gonna, this is the verse we're going after, 621. Whatever you focus your mind on becomes your treasure. And we humans have the ability to focus on, watch now, only one thing well. So the dance with you a little bit here. So Jesus is going to go after this in just a minute. I'll show it to you. Okay, I can love God with my heart and soul, mind and strength, and I can love money. And I can trust God, and I can trust money. And I can be secure in God, and I'll be, and Jesus said, no, you can't. You can't. The most important thing about you is what your head and your heart think, what you focus on. Let me quote, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So what we focus on, what we give our heads and heart to, becomes the emphasis of our life. So would you just step back? What have you focused on this past week? What has been the focus of your head and your heart. Has your emotional life followed? Have your actions followed? Has that driven decisions you have made? If my focus is my body, if my focus is my bank account, if my focus is my children, 
If my focus is my work, whatever our focus is, that is what drives us forward. Because it goes head and heart to the body, to the emotions and decisions. So, let me just jump around a little bit here. Hope you're staying with me, okay? Can I have slide seven? This is where we're gonna go in about seven minutes. I'd like to take verse 21 and ask us in smaller groups to respond to one or two of these questions. How would others say I live? Do I live selfishly or generously? How willing am I to help others? Do I know when I've acquired enough? Am I content to live with what I have? That's what 621 is spoken at. So having said that, look at your Bibles, chapter 6, 19. I'm going to read it through twice. First time I'm going to read it as is, and the second time I'm going to kind of walk you through it. Hear the word of the Lord. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now here's the verse I'm focusing on this morning. For wherever our treasure is, there our hearts and minds will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If my eyes are healthy, my whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. Now here he says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. We cannot serve both God and money. I'm reading it again now. Verse 19, he said, literally translated, stop storing up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Let's explain that real quickly. In the housing of that time, you kept all your belongings in your house. There were no banks. So you buried your money in the floor under your house. Whatever nice clothes you had were in your house. Rats ran through and ate everything. There were no locks on the doors. People came and stole your money. So Jesus is saying to the people who he's talking to, who he loves so much, don't store your life up in things that can be destroyed or stolen or lost. You got to hear his heart in this now. Because next week, you're going to see if he's going to go. If we're going to do that, if, if our focus is going to be what we own, what we have, what we do, whatever our focus is, it, if... The false security is it will make me feel better. Short term, it does. But you're going to see next week, this leads to worry, fear, and anxiety. So Jesus is trying to say to the people who he loves, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You need to be different. You're going to be different. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to preserve culture. You're going to light out of culture. And so what does he do in the whole passage? Chapter 5, he explains all the ways people have diminished saltiness and diminished light or how you can become more of salt and more of light. Chapter 5. Chapter 6, don't give yourself to false securities. Religious practices just done so people can see how religious. That doesn't cre create security. That creates insecurity. 
Because have I done enough? I mean, one of the things that's just, just so hard for me to understand, when people on their deathbeds ask me this question with tears in their eyes, have I done enough to get into heaven? What do you say to that? You're the pastor, what do you say? What's the right answer? No. None of us has done enough. But we're welcomed in. We're welcomed into the circle of love because of Jesus, amen? That's the wonder of the gospel. Well, but if I, if I keep all the rules, if I'm dumb out, is that gonna help me when I die? No, no, Jesus says that's false security. And now he's got money. He says, oh, don't, don't, don't invest in stuff that's gonna just die and get stolen and leave. And I see Marvin Carroll Russ, I'm gonna express sympathy to you. Irma, our second oldest senior saint, went to be with the Lord on uh, Saturday, was it, Carol? Wednesday, forgive me. I met with her on Saturday, and the funeral will be Tuesday morning at 10.30. I'm just gonna segue out to, to Irma. Irma was the janitor when I came here 30 years ago, and Carol, and many conversations, and Marvin Carroll at the, visit, at the uh, funeral home today gave me Irma's Bible. And Irma's Bible, her second Bible, is marked up in notations that are incredible. So here's an older woman who has lived through the Depression and all kinds of things, and here is a woman who had a deep, abiding relationship with Jesus. And her Bible just springs. Her first Bible is falling apart. You know the old phrase, the one who owns a Bible that's falling apart probably is not. Well, let's go back to the passage. So Marvin Carroll, express sympathy to you. Yep. Can I go back here to the passage? Now we'll go to the second paragraph. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, starting in verse 22. And this is where the, this is, I'm, I didn't finish 21. So for where treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. This is the focus of the morning. Look at verses 22 and 23. Let me unpack it for you. The eye, put in parentheses if you have your own Bible, the heart is the lamp of the body. If your heart is healthy, the word healthy, footnote, is generous. If your heart, your mind is generous, your whole body will be full of light. You are the light of the world. But if your heart, your mind are stingy, unhealthy, look at your footnote, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is dark, how great is that darkness? Let me translate. If the light within you is selfish, how great is that selfishness? And then Jesus says then, no one can serve two masters. Either we hate the one and love the other, or devoted to one and despise the other. We cannot serve both God and money. So that, so forgive me if this third hand grenade, that's a slavery question. Who, and so in this, I, I recognize I'm, I'm walking on some thin ice here, but just stay with me. Who is your master? Who owned you? So our oldest son played professional sports for 17 years. For 17 years, he had an owner. His owner decided how much money he would make and what he would do. His owner decided. What Jesus is asking is, who owned you? 
Who's your master? Who's driving your life? Who's telling you what to do? Oftentimes when St. Paul writes these epistles, he talks about being a slave, doulos, it's a servant. If you are a slave to Christ, you are free, you are loved, you are blessed, you are chosen. And if you're a slave to mammon, you will live with constant insecurity and worry and fear. So Jesus ends the passage with, so who's your master? Who is running our lives? Okay, follow me? <laughs> Get real quiet here. All right, let's go to some slides if I can. So it may have a sentence number four and then number seven. So here's what I'm trying to say in a sentence. Jesus is inviting us to treasure what matters most. Treasure what matters most. Back to Irma. So I went to see her on Saturday. She passed away on Wednesday. As we talked for a significant amount of time, it was so interesting. We didn't talk about all kinds of stuff over here. Irma's a farmer. She has quite a story of farming by hand, milking 50 cows, all the things a farm family did back in the day. Quite a story. But we didn't talk about the farms. We didn't talk about farming. We didn't talk about equipment. We didn't talk about land. We talked about what happens when we close our eyes here. All Irma wanted to talk about is what will happen when I leave here. And what Jesus is asking us in this passage is, will we treasure here what matters most? I have another slide. I have a sentence that I like. The sentence is um, number eight, please. To lay up treasures in heaven is to treasure what God treasures on earth. So let me ask you a question. You think God is up in heaven looking at each of us saying, wow, I like that blue blazer. I like your Ford Edge. I like your house. You know, I really think what you purchased yesterday is pretty cool. You think you're saying, you know, I like those shoes. I like how much money you have in the bank. What do you think God treasures? This is who God treasures. So I've talked about this many times. You should love the Lord our God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, neighbor as yourself, the Shema. How do we love God and love neighbor? We treasure him. Because when we close our eyes and you open it wherever you are going, what will you experience when you open your eyes if it's Jesus? Do you remember the Sunday, the summer in July, when all the FCA students were here on that Sunday? They were all sitting over here. And I, I, I'll never forget this. And so we were having communion that day, and I, the communion stuff was right here, and I went and picked it up, and I made some comments, and then I asked these students right here. I said, and I'm going to ask all of you now. Can you imagine if Jesus walked up to you? If Jesus was here and Jesus walked right up to you, what do you think he would feel about you? And I said to these students, Jesus looks at you and delights in you. Do you believe that? We're saying good, good father. Really? 
Do you believe that the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, when he sees you, he delights? Why does he delight? Because you are his treasure. So how do we treasure what lasts forever? We treasure the 30, 40 people we have relationship with and influence with and impact, and we love them like God loves them. And that's how you store up treasures in heaven. Isn't that beautiful? And you start with the people you're connected to. In the people with whom we live, we, li we will the good of those people. That's how you lay up treasures in heaven. But what's, so what's money got to do with this? Okay, let me add another sentence to you. Third hand grenade. We humans are more than anything else a mind, mind and heart. The most important thing about our minds is what they're fixed on. This is the next sentence. The ultimate freedom you have as an individual is the power to select what will you focus your mind on. So at the first service, someone who's in a hard place shared with me, and all this person can do for about six months now, is rehearse his hard place. It's all he thinks about. My life stinks. God isn't fair. And that's just, so what's the outcome of that? He is full of fear, and he's full of worry. Follow me. We all get to choose what we focus our heads and our hearts on. You choose. See, this old guy here, fourth hand grenade, <laughs> this is what drives me crazy. And I'm talking to myself. All the forms of media, it is so overwhelmingly distracting. It is so multi-focused. So just blunt, crude. Many people, the only... God time they get is they come to church on Sunday morning, which is now less than 20% of the population. It's closer to 7% of the population. Many people are not reading Bibles. No spiritual practice. The average American student is on her or his phone 7 to 10 hours a day. So you come to church and you hear about Jesus for 20 minutes. And I hear about Putin and Ukraine and TikTok and influencers and who's killed who and who's doing what and, and all this is just swirling and swirling and swirling and swirling and what happens to me because I'm not focusing on what's truly treasure I'm filled with worry and anxiety and fear because I think I think I think I think I can serve God and I can serve a you can't you can only serve one see that's the challenge we can only serve one so that's why in chapter 6, 33, uh, next week, seek first his kingdom, his reign, his righteousness, his relationships. And then the text says, and all will be given to you later if he's the focus. So as I get older, my concern is that we are easily distracted. And we think we can do the Jesus thing. We can do the word thing. And the Jesus thing. And the word. We can't. It's killing us. Why are we drinking so much? 
Why are we smoking so much pot? Why are we so misusing our credit cards? Why are we changing partners so often? Why? Because we're overcome with fear and anxiety and worry, and we don't have a focus. Jesus said, where our treasure is, that will be our focus. So don't, I'm not, I don't want to be crabby. I'm not being crappy. Hear the words of love trying to repeat what Jesus said. St. Paul writes this, be transformed by of see, this is, these are hooked. So what we're, invi- we're trying to do as a church family, we're tr- Sabbath keeping, memorization. My friend Paul, who is beating alcohol, is beating it because he is a man who is letting the words of Christ dwell richly in him. And out of that, he's bearing fruit. Well, a couple more things. May I have slide number seven, because now I'd like to ask you to be talking to each other for just a couple minutes. So I've been babbling at you. May I invite you to babble with each other. So in 621, the text reads, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are some questions that might help us have conversation about treasure. So could you, if you're willing, if you don't want to, you don't have to, if you're willing, could you just pick one or two of those? Would others say I live selfishly? How am I willing to help others? Do I know when I've acquired enough? Am I content with what I have? So again, the passage is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So can we take 10 or 4? Can we take, do you dare do four minutes? Introverts, <laughs> go. On your mark, say go. Okay, well done. Lots of conversations. Lee and I were just talking, and one of the things I, I, I'm, I don't think anything I've said this morning is new. Just repeating what we, I think we mostly know. But when our minds and hearts are not treasuring what is most significant, which fundamentally is our primary relationships, it affects our bodies. Our bodies receive what is happening in our heads and our hearts. And out of the overflow of that, our bodies are being impacted. And if I can just go back to point to next week, we are an anxious, fearful, worrying culture. And our, please hear this, our, the treasure of most value is the 30 to 40 people in your life with whom you have a deep and abiding relationship. That is your treasure. So store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, those 30 or 40 people that you're investing in, you're loving, you're attaching to, you're blessing, you're encouraging, you're honoring. Those are the ones that is your treasure What's the old hymn that old people older than me used to sing? Will the circle be unbroken? By and by, Lord, by and by. If we treasure what God treasures in our lives, listen to me, your circle will not be broken.
Nothing can ever separate you, us, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Life can't, death can't, angels can't, demons can't. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate you and your treasures, your people, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Now, ain't that good news? We gotta get better at this. We need to love our people. So let me, let me just, I'm, I'm sensing a tug, so here we go. How about this? Would my primary people, so would you think about your, just pick seven, eight, ten. Could each of us ask yourself this question? Do my primary people feel as though I live selfishly with them? We had a bump here one time with staff. Someone came in and helped us. And the question that was asked is, what, would you ask yourself this question and ask others the same? What is it like for you to work with me? in our primary relationships. What's it like for you to be in relationship with me? See, now we're talking treasure and treasuring. Because now we're asking, how can I be as Christ to you? A couple more things that we need to be done. Can I have a slide number, number eight and the nine, and then we'll, we'll be done. So, just repeating what I just said, to lay up treasures in heaven is to treasure what God treasures on earth, and what he treasures is the people with whom you have influence and relationship. That's what God offers you as treasure. Next slide, please, and then this leads us to next week. Why does Jesus say it's not possible to serve God and money at the same time? The answer, we think we can multitask. All the studies say we cannot. It's not possible. Physiologically, the studies say we cannot multitask. We think we can. And here it is. It is not possible for humans to live with two ultimate goals. So let me finish up with this. So let's pretend I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to be committed to Jesus, but I want to be committed to my money and my possessions and my financial security. And I think I can live in both worlds. And Jesus said, no, you can't, you can't. So let me just tell you, this little personal sharing, I won't go as far as I did the first service. But Lane and I married 43 years. We have chosen to live as best we know how, as generously as we can, and still take care of our family. Now, why do I tell you that? Because in the passage, Jesus said, you cannot serve God and money. In the English, the word is money. In the Greek, it's mammon. And Jacques Yule and other scholars suggest mammon is not neutral. Mammon is a demon. So I think I can serve Jesus, he's my master, and I think I can serve mammon, he's my master. And Jesus said you can't. Either Kevin, you love this one and you hate the other, or you'd love this one and you despise the other. You cannot, Kevin, you cannot, Lane, Kevin and Lane, you cannot serve God and mammon. So if you wanna break the hold of money in your life, give it away. Next slide, last slide, please. This is the action step for the week. 
The action step is, could you pray about, ask for discernment to make an eternal treasuring investment this week? What would the Lord have you do so you can focus on what he treasures in your life? What, what part of your treasure could you give to another? What could you give to someone? A, let, 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 let's narrow the focus of your people, of your 30 to 40 people, your people, pray and discern, Lord, who would you have me give some of my treasure to? this week and let's see what happens I think it'd be beautiful would you pray with me please let's take a moment in silence would you ask the Lord are you calling me to share treasure and if so this week with whom could you ask the Lord that the treasure could be anything you treasure doesn't have to be money anything at all Would you ask the Lord if he would to give you a specific person or a specific situation? Where would he have you share some of his treasure which he's given to you with another? And would you pray for that person or that situation and invite the Lord to go ahead of you that when you give that gift, person will be blessed and honor Jesus for the gift. And if you don't have anyone, it's okay. Ask the Lord to help you be a woman or man of salt and light this week. Lord, we thank you for life in you and with you. We pray that increasingly our hearts would be your heart. Our minds, our hearts and minds would reflect you that we'd be women and men and boys and girls who treasure well, who bless well, who honor well, and as we do, we'll make you famous. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.